0: Tonight, we gather to recognize Good Friday. This day is considered a Christian holiday commemorating the crucifixion of Jesus and his death at Calvary. Why do we use terms like good and holiday to commemorate a day so awful? As people of resurrection, we know how the story ends. But in this time and space, we are opening our hearts to the reality of death that precedes resurrection. As you hold the nail you were given with your bulletin, may you be reminded of this death. You will have an opportunity at the conclusion of the service to drop your nail at the foot of the cross. And now, we gather near our Savior on the night he was brutally murdered, the night he was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. We do not skip over this tragedy. We sit with it. May this be a holy time. May the Christ
1: meet us here. Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 9. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and he was rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet... It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced with our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet never said a word. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short Midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave.
2: We gather as His church on God's good earth and listen to the requiem's intense, long, love-laden kneeling calling forth, echoes of Eden blessing every sense. With brimming blisses, every death with birth, until all passion passes into praise, I bless the hidden threads that drew us here, I bless this day, distinct among our days. I bless the light, the music-laden air. I bless the interweaving of our ways, the lifting of our burdens that we bear. I bless the broken body that we share. Sanctus the heart. Sanctus the spirit cries. Sanctus the flesh in every touch replies.
1: Then Pilate took Jesus, and he had him flogged severely. The soldiers braided a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they clothed him in a purple robe. They came to him again and again and said, Hail, the king of Jews. And they struck him repeatedly in the face. Again, Pilate went out and said to the Jewish leaders, Look, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no reason for an accusation against him. So Jesus came outside wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to him, look, here is the man. When the chief priests and their officers saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. Certainly, I find no reason for an accusation against him. The Jewish leaders replied, we have a law. And according to our law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of man. When Pilate heard what they had said, he was more afraid than ever. And he went back into the governor's residence and said to Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have the power to release you and to crucify you? Jesus replied, You would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is greater of the guilty sin. From this point on, Pilate tried to release him. But the Jewish leader shouted out, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who claims to be king oppresses, opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat down on the judgment seat in a place called the stone pavement. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover about noon. Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, look, here is your king. Then they shouted out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked, shall I crucify your king? The high priest replied, we have no king except Caesar. Then Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. As you read the commentaries about this passage, over and over again, Pilate is looked at as a coward and he's weak. And Jesus is seen as brave. We see that Pilate said over and over again that Jesus was not guilty, that he found no guilt with him, yet because he was scared of what the crowds would do and he didn't want to lose his job, he did something awful. When my son was little, his first lovey was a kitchen spoon. And from the kitchen spoon, he went on to have a matchbox car. And from the matchbox car, it was a golf ball. Very untraditional pieces that would keep him safe and make him feel brave in hard situations. If you see him now, he always has a mechanical pencil with him. So even at 13... He has a little something that he needs to keep him brave as he goes through life. Jesus said very little during all the time that he was beaten, accused, lied about, spit on, and literally being torn apart both on the inside and the outside. And we all know it would have taken just one word and Jesus could have stopped the whole scene but Jesus was brave. He was brave for our sake. He took the pain, and he knew he was meant for more than was, then was happening in that moment. He went bravely forward. When you stop and look deeply at this passage, it's about two people who are very different. One is very scared and can't do the right thing because of his fear. The other is very brave. And does the hardest thing that's ever been done. And he did it because of his love for us.
0: And carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, They took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Have you ever wondered about the physical location where Jesus Christ was crucified? In Latin, it is called Calvary. In Hebrew, it's called Golgotha, translated the place of the skull. This skull-shaped hill in ancient Jerusalem is referred to in all four Gospels. Well, we don't know the exact spot of Jesus' crucifixion, but isn't this skull Detail interesting. I was in Israel many years ago, and our group was taken to a spot right outside of Old Jerusalem's northern wall. Sure enough, there is a rock formation that is startling. If you look closely, it bears the resemblance of a face or a skull. Time has eroded the bridge of the nose. So perhaps it looked a bit different in the ancient world. Yet one can see how this particular spot would have gotten the name Golgotha. For us today, the cross of Christ is often portrayed on a hill far away. We even sing songs about it. Easter cards and trinkets show a green mound with three crosses. Sometimes there's a setting or a rising sun in the background. There's almost a pastoral quality to this visual, a peaceful, serene location. None of the Gospels indicate that Jesus Christ was crucified on a grassy hill outside of town. They name Golgotha. The Romans had mastered grisly executions. They crucified people on well-traveled roads in order to set an example for those who might oppose them. Both Matthew and Mark's Gospels refer to those passing by Jesus on the cross. So not only did the Romans want their executions to include a long, slow, painful death, they added public humiliation. Jesus was naked, stripped of his clothes, which were stolen and divided by soldiers. Jesus hung naked on a cross right next to a busy road in modern jerusalem in the place our group visited with a skull-shaped rock formation do you know what is there today a bus station the noise the grime the exhaust fumes the people running in every direction these details were helpful to me as i thought about where jesus died so many years ago The calvary of a manicured knoll with three serene crosses is not accurate. But why do we want to picture this dark day as something it wasn't? Is it our human nature to turn away from a death so horrific and brutal? Maybe. But tonight, we recognize the grisly death of our Savior happened at a bus station.
2: After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. there are some famous examples of communicating an event of gigantic importance with a minimum of words. You might remember the famous military saying, Caesar, after the Gallic Wars, I came, I saw, I conquered. Or the officer's description, we have engaged the enemy, and he is ours. Or from the naval annals of World War II, sighted sub, sank sane. But the greatest example of saying the most with the fewest words, declaring the greatest Victory in the history of battles is Jesus' cry from the cross. It is finished. The words recorded in the Greek, it's just one word. Tetelestai. It is finished. Jesus, close to death, looking looking helplessly defeated, Cries in triumph, a cry heard round this universe. Now, when death comes to someone 33 years of age, we mourn that they are cut off at the very threshold of life. The best part of life awaits. Just beginning their life's work. Possibilities all untapped. Hopes all unrealized. But as Jesus hangs on his untimely gallows, shouting with his last breath that his task is done, it's finished, he is not saying, as some suggest, I am finished, I give up, I'm washed up, I'm done for, I'm tired, and I can't take this any longer. No, his cry from the cross is not a despairing cry of a helpless martyr. It's not the sigh of relief that the suffering at last has ended. It's not the whimper and whine of defeat. It's a cry of completion, a cry of victory, a great oratorio of triumph. Round the wide world, the arms of the cross have reached. Embracing in love every woman, every man, every girl, and every boy. To give His life. To redeem. To save. To be our way to God. The cross. Its head has touched the heavens. It is finished. Its shaft has gone down as deep as hell. Victory over sin, over Satan, over death. Praise be to the one who finished it all. Following our closing prayer tonight, we invite you to bring the nail that you received as you entered. Bring it to the cross. Drop it in the bucket there. May it symbolize tonight your wounds, your pain, your sorrows, your anxieties, your sins. Bring them to the cross and leave them there this night. And then we would ask you to exit the service in silence. Let us pray. God, thank you for being with us in this wondering moment. We stand poised between death and life. Filled to the brim with sorrows. Filled with thoughts of wonder and pain. Comfort us even as we are shaken by the horrors of these last hours. And be our friend in this time of sorrow. And sustain us in hope for the days to come. And now we bring a nail to the foot of your cross. It symbolizes our pain and our wounds and our sin. To the wondrous cross we come with our weakness. Thank you that Jesus went all the way for us. He finished his work. And we can live now in hope and assurance of your love. Amen. And amen.